Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Quick public service announcement before we jump in. Marcus and I were not able to join Bram and Connor for this episode. Unfortunately, this means there was no one there to stop Bram from turning the gain all the way up on his uh, 19th century microphone. The good news is, now we know Bram has a sweet antique mic collection. The bad news, this pod kind of sounds like It's still packed full of great takes, including tons of eyewitness behind-the-scenes accounts of the Warriors' locker room after Monday's horrific meltdown. So, without further ado... We're going to bring you on to our huddle. We're in the Warriors huddle with me, Bram, and with me after far too long, the Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, and a man who covers every single Warriors practice, press conference, shoot-around, and game, Mr. Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. How you been, man? It's been a minute. I've been good. I've been good. I've been busy. There's been uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on, as I'm sure you're well aware. Never a dull day on this beat. Uh, wait, are the Warriors still playing? I thought this season. Yes, of course. There's huge things to talk about, man. And uh, at the risk of stating the obvious, no Marcus, no Maxime today. They're probably going to join us a little bit later in the week when we get back to Are You Smarter? Um, so it is just Connor and I, and in some ways it's a good thing because we need more Connor in our life. There is a ton of crap going on in Warriors land. Uh, the Warriors are coming off of a huge loss. They were up 31 points and had the biggest comeback in NBA history happen on their floor. And they also lost Boogie Cousins. So let's jump in, man, and I want to start with my favorite subject. Uh, it's the off-the-court report. Now, normally, if you're new to the pod, you haven't heard this. Really, the concept is, just like I said in the open, Connor has amazing access to this team. So while we get to see what happens between the lines, Connor gets to see what happens uh, off the court, and I just asked him to give us a story. But today, I'm going to make it a little bit more guided. Uh, last night's loss was a tough one. Connor was obviously there. So I'm going to ask you some questions, man, that focus off the court, but it's a little bit more guided than we would normally do. So let me start here. What the hell was the atmosphere in the locker room following the game? How did the team take last night's loss? I'll be honest with you. I actually was not in the locker room last night. Um, I prefer I was, to just lie. You know, if, I, if I ask you that again, we would lie and be like, no, I was, not only was I in the locker room, I went to Steph's house after the game. I also went to Draymond. All right, where were you and wherever you saw them, what was the atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, in – when you have the playoffs and things are kind of spread out, you have the locker room and you have press conference going on simultaneously, you know, the Chronicle, we have to assign people to the press conference or the locker room. And last night I was assigned to the press conference room. So I was not 
in the locker room. Um, but, uh, you know, I will say just in the hallways and, and just in the arena, it was, it was an interesting vibe from the Warriors because you would expect them to be completely embarrassed, destroyed, uh, because it's rare that this team lands on the wrong side of history. There have been a lot of historic moments for this franchise in the past few years, but it's rare that it's on the negative side. Sure. And for them to give up a 31-point lead to a team that's considered the biggest underdog in playoff history at home in the second half of a playoff game is just embarrassing. And I think that, you know, they they were, they were upset, but they were also – they almost seemed a little bit numb to it, I guess is the way I would describe it. And, you know, KD, as, it, as it's been written several times, KD and Draymond both did right yeah. after the game ended. They did not talk to media, which I know some people were upset about, especially with KD, who has kind of a track record of doing that this season whenever – something bad happens and you know he probably had maybe the worst game i've personally ever seen him play more nine turnovers than shot attempts yeah fouls out completely lets patrick beverly get in his head um the warriors in my mind are at a very pivotal juncture and it's either going to be a situation where they completely let things derail and they fall apart or they're talking about that game, that game too, when on the stage of, you know, whatever arena they're in when they're hoisting the, the Larry O'Brien trophy. That's where we're at right now. Do you think there's really a chance that they could take the left turn? That, that really this could be a derailing moment? Uh, there's always a chance. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. If but you have a bet on a direction, how the team responds. Do you think that I think, they're going to win? I think they're going to win. The title. They're definitely going to win this series. Yeah. Uh, they're going to get past this series. It looks like DeMarcus is going to be out for the postseason. So I actually think that in some ways there's some positive to that because I think they need something to kind of rally around, which is crazy to huh. say because just being in the playoffs should be enough. But I think they're they're going to rally around everything he's going through and they're going to, you know, kind of want to win what kind of want to sure. want to win one for the Gipper yeah. or what, or what have you. Yeah. And they're going to play well enough to win a title. Um, but I will say that, and I've talked about this countless times in the pod, there's been, there's just been a weird vibe around the team all season and it felt forced, it felt awkward. It has not felt like there's that, joy that this franchise is known for fostering and it felt like the past month or so they were kind of starting to figure things out and round into form at the right time but I felt like last night to me was a reminder that that might have been holding things together with duct tape and glue if you know what I mean It it feels like last night was a great reminder to me of the fact that this team is just not cohesive. They're not on the same page. I mean, there's a reason no one in playoff history has ever given up a 31-point lead in the postseason. <laughs> and to do that, something has to be seriously wrong with the makeup of your team. This, this team has serious flaws, 
and they're so talented that they they could very well still win a title. But they have they might be one of the most flawed teams to win a title. That's a very because interesting they have real real issues. Yeah, and and we're going to explore them. And, and let me just say right from the jump, one of the things that was so upsetting about the loss as a fan, I was furious last night, man. And alcohol played a role, if I'm being totally honest. But there was a lot of screaming at the television. And if I'm going to be totally transparent. It's because I'm part of this group that has thought all year, just wait to the playoffs. You know, like, yeah, they're, they're middling and they don't care and they're apathetic, but just wait to the playoffs. They're going to flip a switch and we're going to get all of this crap out of our Warriors house. And then last night was a reminder, no, it wasn't a magical fix, right? This thing, it, it, there's still problems. But I want to back up because you've said at least three things that really interest me. Let me start with the thing I'm crazy uh, jealous about. I've always wanted to use the phrase win one for the Gipper, and I've never had an opportunity. And the fact that you were able to find one in this uh, podcast, I'm hell of jealous of. So nicely played. <laughs> um, but the other two things. So let me start with you saying that they weren't necessarily super upset in the hallways when you saw them. So I, I can see reading that one of two ways. Either we're pissed off because it's a reflection that they continue to be apathetic, even when they lose uh, you know, in one of the best comebacks, greatest comebacks in playoff history, or it shows that they're even keeled and that they're not panicking and they'll be fine in the next game. So let me ask you, the, the fact that they weren't crazy upset behind the scenes after the game, good thing or bad thing in your mind? That's a tough question. Honestly, it's probably, it's probably not a bad thing uh, because this team has shown that part of why they're great is they're, they stay even killed no matter what the circumstance is. Mm-hmm. But I will say just as someone who's covered the team now for three years, that there's a huge part of me that wanted to see them angry. Yep. yep. That wanted to see them upset. Wanted to see them just embarrassed because that was a bar- an embarrassing performance. They just stopped playing. They just completely stopped playing. And you have to you have to give the Clippers credit, you know, it's not easy to do what they did. Lou Williams is, you know, he is just a special player in a lot of ways. I really have a lot of respect for his game and the way that team approaches things because that team has made a habit of coming back from 20 plus point deficits this season. I mean, this is not the first time they've done something like that in recent months, but, but for it to happen to a playoff game, is just inexcusable if you're the Warriors. And um, there was also a big part of me that would have liked to have seen someone like Kevin Durant at least talk to the media. Because I was talking to Rusty Simmons, who I know is a, a friend of the podcast as well. Sure. Talking to him about this earlier. You you need part of being a leader, part of being one of the one of the franchise guys is showing accountability. And when you have a bad game getting up in public and, and owning it. And every time that he's been in that situation this season, he has dipped out. And I don't, and I think that kind of speaks to some of the problems with this team. You know what I mean? Sure. Of course. I mean, explain it. I think I do know what you mean, but, but bring us all into the fold. Well, I think, I think he, he's not, there's something missing there and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is, but you know, he, he's, he doesn't seem to fully understand everything that it takes to be a part of a, of a elite team. And that might sound crazy because he's in his third, third year with the Warriors. He's won two finals MVPs. He's won two titles. But I think that 
he needs to have an understanding of the fact that a lot of their problems this season have centered around his free agency, his uneven temperament, and his performance last night was a big reason why they lost. And part of making things right is owning up to it and kind of evening things out, smoothing things over. I completely agree with you. I mean, what it underlines is that there's a divide. I mean, Kevin Durant knows what it means to be a franchise player. He's been a franchise player his entire life, and certainly that in in OKC. And he knows that one of those obligations, if you are a franchise player for an organization, is you've got to show up, just like you said, and be accountable. If he's not doing that with this team, what it suggests is there's a chasm. He doesn't view himself as one of the franchise players here. Now, who knows? I haven't talked to him, but that would upset me too. And I'll follow up about you know why it would frustrate me if these guys didn't seem super upset in the hallways in the locker room. So what we're seeing on social media, what everybody's saying is that last night was a wake-up call, right? The Warriors are going to get this wake-up call, and now we're going to see their best punch. Well, that phrase comes from what wake up call refers to is that there's going to be something happens and there's a big difference. I'm sleeping and I'm waking up. What you're describing is even though they had this thing happen, you went into the bowels of the arena and you didn't see a difference in their reaction. They weren't panicking. They weren't angry. So it doesn't fit into the wake up call analysis, which which concerns me. But let me ask you, do you expect them to have a big game in game three? Do you think we will see the real Warriors again? I do. I do. They have a couple of days to kind of regroup. Um, I actually think that going to LA helps in some respects too. For, for whatever reason, they have played better on the road this season yeah. than they have at home. And I think that they're going to, they're going to have a pretty intense meeting tomorrow when they convene for practice and, and basically say, look, this is, this is a pivot point in our season. We, we need to respond to this or else things are going to derail. You know, we, we've kind of coasted for a long time. I'm just being the most talented team. But the rest of the league is catching up. Right. And we can't, we can't keep doing this if we're actually going to win. I mean, we're, at, we're, we're seriously at risk of losing everything we've, we've kind of worked toward in terms of that three-peat. So um, I think – I also think that – like I said earlier, I think that Cousins going down with that with that quad injury is going to hit them on a personal level yep. in a way that's going to force them to uh, kind of rally together for for their fallen teammate, a guy who you know signed with the Warriors largely for the chance to chase a title right. and and play in the playoffs for the first time in his career, and then for him to go down the way he did. You know, 25 minutes into the postseason, after a rough game one, four minutes into game two, it, it's just completely brutal. That's and especially I on think an, that that's actually makes this team stronger. If he did it on an effort play, too. You know, you could tell he was like, this is the playoffs. I'm going to give everything I have. He was chasing down that loose ball, and that's what led to the injury. And I, I agree with you. Of course they're going to rally around it. And we don't have to look further than this year. I mean, one of the times the Warriors looked like the Warriors for – you know, somewhat of an extended stretch is when Boogie first came back, you know, and you could tell the team was just happy to have him out there and we're excited to have him experience what it meant to be on an elite team. So if they were able to bind around him when he came in, it makes sense that they would bind around him when he left. I should have asked you this right when you said it, Connor, because it was a hot take. Let me ask you now. You said that this team has flaws. You see them. What are we talking about? 
Do you mean just as far as like the social interactions and some of the KD stuff we just pointed out? Or are you talking about the, the makeup of the team, a lack of a bench or something like that? Uh, both, both. I was In that specific instance, I was talking more about the locker room yeah. and the, the fact that I just don't think that they're completely on the same page. Yep. Uh, uh, to that. Yeah, there definitely are. There definitely are roster flaws, but I don't think the roster flaws are big enough to single-handedly keep the Warriors from winning a title. Yep. I don't think the roster is the problem. No, if, I, they, if they don't win a title, it would be because they failed themselves. They beat themselves. And one thing that I do find interesting to kind of build off what we were talking about earlier with Durant is toward the end of the regular season when Durant wasn't shooting and he was facilitating and when he was shooting, he was shooting at a very high clip. Everyone was kind of lauding him for good reason. You know, one of the most efficient scorers ever, you know, he's just a master with basketball, all that kind of stuff. But last night to me was an example of him taking it way too far. Yep. They really needed him to be that aggressive one-on-one elite isolation scorer that he is. And he just absolutely refused to, you know, he just, he just would not put, he would not hoist the basketball yep. and wonder why that is. I, I certainly have no goddamn idea. It was one of the things I was screaming at my television and to, to back what you're saying, as far as this being, you know, not a roster problem, that's what made last night the level of frustration it was for me. If the Clippers had just shown up, you know, they just beat them. They just looked like it was their night and the Warriors lose. That happens. It happens in the playoffs. It is what it is. It's an NBA team. Sometimes they jump up and get you. But what it looked like was the Warriors were driving a car that could go 250 miles an hour, developed a huge lead, and then decided to go 85 miles an hour and just let them come back and never put their foot back on the gas pedal, which is unacceptable in this kind of a setting. Um, and here, let me ask you this. So another friend of the podcast, Bonte Hill, tweeted out after the game, and I quote, Little Bird told me a private meeting is going on right now in the Warriors locker room. Do you have any idea what he was talking about? Do you know whether or not there was a meeting Wait, like that? Who told him that? Bonte tweeted that out, that there was a, a private meeting happening in the Warriors locker room. Have you heard anything about that? Is that true? Do you know one way or the other? Um, like I said, I was not. I think Bonte actually went to the locker room. I did not go to the locker room. I did hear that. You know, there were players convening at one point. I don't I don't know a lot of details. I'm hoping to find out more about that. Yeah, there you go. But I would I would almost just assume something like that. You know, it, I, you would hope that that's happening because if that's not happening, that there's something wrong. You I, you need if there was ever a time for a players only meeting, this is the time. <laughs> I love that you started that take by suddenly reminding me that we've already covered that you weren't in the locker room. I remember it happened like five minutes ago. I'm just saying, had you heard about a meeting? So it sounds like it could have happened. Um, Tell me about Boogie. We've, uh, we've alluded to it, but we know that today an MRI confirmed the Warriors' fears. Uh, Boogie suffered a torn left quad. You just wrote an article that came out for the Chronicle that looked at that injury and maybe its implications. Let me start here. Can, is it a foregone conclusion that Boogie is gone for the playoffs? Should we all just be ready for life without him? Uh, I wouldn't say foregone conclusion, but it's highly, highly likely that he's done for the postseason. I don't think the Warriors are expecting to have him back. I talked to a doctor earlier today, a guy who's worked with a lot of 
players who've had this type of injury. And he said that it kind of depends on the severity. We don't right now know. We don't know the grade on this tear. We don't know how severe it is. Um, If it is a minor tear, it's the type of thing where rehab usually would take about two weeks. Um, If it's a severe tear and that the entire quad was torn right through, it would probably be closer to six, seven weeks. Um, You now you, the Warriors have, if, if they make the finals, they have almost two months left in the season. So it's conceivable that he would come back, but you also have to take into account this is a guy who's coming off an Achilles injury, guy who's 6'11", 270 pounds. You don't want to do anything that's going to risk re-injury yep. or put him in a situation where he's going to threaten the rest of his prime or the rest of his career. So, and you also have to take into account if the Warriors make the finals, something's obviously going right. Exactly. They won a couple series without DeMarcus. They probably like the rotations. They probably like the roles they have their guys playing. And to bring back someone like DeMarcus right at the start of a finals just doesn't feel smart. So, I don't see them doing that. As if there's one thing the Warriors are organizationally, it's smart. Right. So I, I would not expect them to do that. I think he's, his season's done, and his his tenure with the Warriors might be done. But I actually think that this injury boosts his chances of coming back in a big way. Yeah, me too. And I felt crazy guilty the second I started thinking that when he got hurt. Because, uh, I mean, you just feel so bad for him personally. I mean, like, if you do what he did, if you fought through the Achilles injury that prevented him from playing in his first playoffs last year, and then you get out, you have the crap game, game one, so you decide to yourself, I'm going to do everything I can. You have an effort play. Like, literally, you're just trying to contribute any way you can, and now you're facing the same injury and the same, or another career-threatening injury and another remarkably hard recovery. I can't imagine how hard that would be, you know? Now, as a Warrior fan, just like you said, I do think it helps um, their chances of resigning them, but... Just to make sure that this pod is not remarkably callous, we'll focus on that in the offseason as opposed to right now. And instead, let me ask you, okay. did, did you see DeMarcus? I mean, how, how did he see him after the game last night? I did not see DeMarcus. I, I don't know if I told you this, but I was not in the locker room. Oh, you didn't go to the yeah. locker room? Oh, because that was going to be my next question. Yeah, did, you, no, did, did, yeah okay. That, that's unfortunate. If you had gone in the locker room, were you going to use the phrase, win one for the Gipper? Yeah, no, for sure. Obviously. For sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the <laughs> obvious implication. That, that's good. I, I, I'm sure – I don't think he was even in the locker room post-game, but I think – I'm sure he was completely devastated. There were pictures that surfaced of him walking off the court in tears. And I can't even imagine being in his mental state. I mean, I've written stories all about his recovery from that Achilles and how tough mentally and physically of a process that was for him. So much went in for him to be in this exact moment, yeah. in this exact position, to chase the title with the Warriors. I mean, it's just completely, completely brutal. Oh, and it sucks. Uh, yeah. I you feel for him, man. If there's anyone that deserves to win the title on the Warriors, it's, it's him. I, and he won't get that chance. I definitely, at least as a as an active member of the team. I, of course, you're right. And here's a side question: Are you giving this interview from like the heart of a hurricane or something? Like, what kind of like gale force winds are behind you? Sorry, sorry. I'm, uh, I'm walking around Alameda right now. There's a little wind right now. Apologies. Yeah, I mean, I think we use the phrase "little wind" differently. Are there like houses flying around you, or what? 
<laughs> no, no. <laughs> How does the boogie injury affect the Warriors' title chances in your mind? And I'll tell you that they haven't really affected them in Vegas's mind. If you look up the futures under Vegas, the Warriors are still prohibitive favorites. They're minus 180, meaning you'd have to bet $180 to win 100 and the next uh, close favorite is Houston, who's 4-1. to one. So Vegas still thinks that these guys are going to take home a ring. You, same, same deal. I mean, do you think this boogie injury substantially lowers their chances, or does Bogut come in and kind of fix it? I actually don't think that the Cousins injury significantly hurts their chances. And I really don't think it hurts their chances, definitely in this series. I, I don't think the the Clippers were a good matchup for DeMarcus to begin with. I actually think this matchup is better for Kavon. There's a reason why DeMarcus struggled as much as he did in game one. Sure. He's better against teams that have a bevy of traditional prototypical seven foot centers. And the Clippers are a team. Their only seven footer is Zubak, who doesn't really play that much. Um, he really, DeMarcus really struggles against someone like Montrez Harrell. Yeah. So, I actually think in some ways, I hate to say this, but I almost feel like they're a little better off in this series without DeMarcus. But you look ahead, and the next series is probably going to be Houston. Yep. And Capella. that's not a great matchup for DeMarcus either. Um, he's he's never historically been very good against Capella, uh, against those small lineups the Rockets like to employ. Uh, Kavon Looney, as we all are well aware, that's probably his best matchup. That's where he makes his money. Sure. Uh, he was great in the Western Conference Finals. Even a guy like, even a guy like Jordan Bell is serviceable against the lineups that the Rockets employ. So, I think the next two series, assuming the Rockets get by Utah, they're up 1-0 right now. I I think that that's not not having Marcus won't be a huge deal. Yeah. But where it really hurts the Warriors is in a potential NBA Finals because. You look at all the teams that could come out of the East, sure. and they all have stud big men. All, they all have stud seven-footers. You know, Milwaukee has Brook Lopez. Philadelphia has speed. Um, Toronto has Marcus Sol now. Al Horford. Toronto has Marcus Sol mm-hmm. and Serge Ibaka. So that's where you're really going to feel it. And I think that's, that's, that's huge because – this to me, this whole playoffs has kind of been about the finals, as we've talked about before. I don't think yeah. there's a real team in the West that can be a serious threat for the Warriors, but there are a couple teams in the East that I think can really test them in a seven-game series. Amy said all year the reason they can test us is their size. You know, I mean that's literally been our concern, and so yeah, this fits right into that. But I will say that that Bogut edition is looking really smart right now. Yeah, um, you know, Bogut obviously is not. DeMarcus Cousins, but he was signed for this exact reason. The Warriors knew that there was a good chance, just given the fact that he was coming back from Achilles, that something would happen and he would miss some time in the playoffs. And they needed a big body to absorb those minutes if it came to that. And can you imagine right now if the Warriors didn't have Bogut, if they had to look at going through the rest of the postseason with just Kevon Looney and Jordan Bell? Nope. I mean, that would be a scary thought. So they should feel good about the fact that they have someone like Bogut who is experienced, has played a ton of playoff games, has won an NBA title, who can come in and at least match 
the size and strength of some of those elite big man and big men. And so uh, he's going to be an important guy just to go out there and eat up minutes and, and, and make the Warriors feel comfortable in that situation. Of course. Well, and add not only his size, but his familiarity with this system. He spent four years with Kerr's system. He knows exactly his role in it. And it also really underlines that this franchise isn't just the people on the floor. Their front office, to borrow a phrase from Joe Lacob, is light years ahead. I mean, they looked at a team that was going to surefire win number one in the West that had, you know, a possible of five all-stars. And as they got closer to the playoffs, recognized, nope, this is not enough. You know, we need to have an extra layer of protection. And thank God they did to borrow all the things you just said. Um, Let me ask you this, man. So as a fan... I already f***ing hate Patrick Beverly. I hated him before the season started. I hated him during the season. I hated him before this playoff series started. Now I hate him during the playoff series. We know that you're above that kind of stuff. You're a professional. You're just watching uh, you know, this thing play out. But does he know you at all? I mean, watching all of his histrionics, you know, does, it, does it register or are you above it? I kind of appreciate it, to be oh, honest with you. That's I my least favorite I would, answer. I would hate to play against him. <laughs> I would hate playing against him, and I can understand why Warriors fans don't like him. But if I was a Clippers fan, I would love him because he's doing exactly what he's paid to do. He is getting in Kevin Durant's head. And the fact that he even has the ball to go up against KD says a lot about who he is because this is a guy who's a good, what, nine, ten inches shorter than Kevin Durant? I mean, that should be a complete mismatch. But it hasn't been. I mean, he's done his job. He got Durant ejected in game one, got him two technicals, and which could have severe implications down the road. And in game two, he just harassed him all game, got him fouled out, and you know got in his head so much that he didn't shoot the ball. Yep. I mean, eight eight shots when his team was fumbling away. <laughs> A 31-point lead is inexcusable. And I'm not going to say that that's just because of Patrick Beverly, but he definitely had a factor in that for sure. If you were playing out there, do you think you could stay above Patrick Beverly's bullshit? Like, you're, you're a personality type. You know, because all of us are no. screaming at Durant, ignore him. I, I want to say him. I could, but I was totally that guy when I was playing <laughs> basketball. Man. When, when someone was grabbing me and, like, getting in my head, talking trash, I totally let it get, get me off kilter mess with my game for sure. I'm not I don't have that thick of skin, unfortunately. And I know the answer for you. No, so. you I think I'd stay really cool and calm and collected. I agree. I completely agree. I'd stay totally above it. Yeah, of course I couldn't. And I think that's a big reason why they matched up Beverly with Durant. Oh, I because think so too, of course. They knew everyone thought entering the series that they were gonna match him up on Steph. Um but Steph has shown in the past that he can put up with that stuff and that he can kind of tune it out. And I think that was a really smart move on Doc Rivers' part. One thing that I will say about this series, too, and and let me preface this by saying that I really appreciate a lot of things about Steve Kerr. I think he's a great coach, but he is getting out coached in this series. Why do you say that? In a big that? way. All right, why do you say that? Because that, that's been the other social well, media response. I felt like even though they, the Warriors won convincingly in game one, I was more impressed by the coaching job Doc Rivers did than Steve because Doc, they executed their game plan really well except for their defense on staff. But offensively, they did exactly what they want to do. They just don't really have the horses, and they kind of 
petered out over the course of the game. Yeah. But I didn't think that was a coaching problem. I thought Doc actually did a good job in game one. And then in game two, they, they regroup at halftime. And one of the signs of a great coach is a team that never gives up. A team that goes hard every single play. That's a direct reflection of your coaching That's interesting, yeah. And the fact that they were down 31 points and continued to execute the game plan and not give up and not wave the flag and go hard every single play speaks to the type of coach Doc Rivers is because, to me, it's a reflection of him. So I think Doc is a phenomenal coach. I think last night was a great Look, example his, of that. His record speaks for himself. Doc Rivers is a Hall of Famer. There's absolutely no question, and he's doing an amazing job with the clips, and I agree with almost everything you just said. But I also think that the reason the Warriors lost wasn't because of what happened on the sidelines last night. It's because of what happened on the floor, and the Warriors had a lack of heart. Now, that fits in to what you just said, that you know part of good coaching is making sure these guys show up. So let me distill it to this question. Let's go back in time to the beginning of last night's game, and let's have the coaches switch teams. If Doc Rivers was coaching the Warriors last night, you think they win that game? Yes. Wow. Um, I was really proud of that question, by the way, too. Did you want to say a good question or anything like that? Or Well, it's a hard question to answer because, <laughs> you know, it, it, you, can't just, you can't just put a coach in one game. You, you have to think about if they were coaching them over the course of the season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, like, and they've been coaching them for years, and are they tired of hearing the messages and everything that come along right, with it? Yeah, right. no, it was an unfair right. question, but I'm, I'm not above patting myself on the back for unfair questions, Connor. You know that for certain. Uh, right. you know, I, before we get too far away from Pat Beverly, I need some advice from you. So during the game last night, you know, the, the Warriors were up huge, and at one point when they're up 25, Patrick Beverly's doing his Patrick Beverly stuff, and I get pissy enough, and I tweet out this, quote, Memo to Pat Bev, you're down 25, settle down. Now, needless to say, it didn't age real well for me, and a lot of people have been destroying me on Twitter. Uh, in fact, this morning, one guy wrote, quote, the keyboard you use to tweet that is obviously smarter than you are. And then another guy said, uh, this tweet aged worse than your face, which is super weird because I don't know that wow. guy, and I'm not sure he's ever seen my face, so it kind of hurt my opinions. But or my, uh, my feelings, but I should ask you this. So how does it work? Like, can I delete the Pat Bev tweet and pretend like it didn't happen? Or now that everyone's giving me shit about it, do I just have to just accept it and move on? You got to accept it and move on. I mean, when you're in a situation like that, there's always going to be tweets that don't age well. I actually had, I had my own tweet last night that after the game was blowing up because everyone was going back and laughing at it. <laughs> I tweeted something to the effect of, uh, these blowouts like this are really good for the Warriors for two reasons. One, it allows <laughs> the, the the core guys to get much needed rest, and two, it allows the young guys to get some much needed uh, exposure to the playoffs. <laughs> Everyone went back and was like, "Wow, this did not age well. You're an idiot." <laughs> that makes me but feel I wrote better. that. I tweeted that when they were up 31 early in the third. <laughs> oh, yeah. did anyone really think they were going to lose that game? I actually remarked to Mark Medina, who I know is also a friend of the pod, who said thanks to me. I remarked to him, "So you think we're like jokingly like you think we're uh, you think we're good to start writing our game stories now? Because uh, you, I have a feeling the Warriors might win this game." And we just laughed. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> And then they lost the game. <laughs> and so and it ended up being one of the most stressful 
deadline rounding experiences of my entire <laughs> life when I was joking earlier in the game about how easy of a night it was going to be. So, it makes me feel way yeah. better. I, honestly, it makes me feel way better. I appreciate you saying that. It also makes me feel like you weren't the person who tweeted about my face. I mean, I wasn't sure at first. I thought maybe you had like a sub account out there, but now I know that we're on the same team. And uh, let me ask you this. I have been making a joke that Draymond looks way more spry during the playoffs. Not even a joke, an observation. He just looks faster and slimmer. Would you agree with that? For sure. And that's kind of always the case in the playoffs, isn't it? I mean, he's a guy who's built for the playoffs. He, he needs stakes. He needs something to play for. Yeah. And he is a different player in the playoffs. You remember last season, in the regular season, he was, he was, he was good. He wasn't great. He wasn't really, you know, as the Draymond of old. But come the playoffs, he was just – he had some series last spring where he was just absolutely dominant. Yep. And this season, you know, he was pretty up and down in the regular season. I think it was probably his worst regular season in three or four years. But so far, you know, he, he's had some really nice moments for sure. Yeah, I've been really encouraged by it. I love watching the real Draymond. Close us out with this question, um, and then I've got a fun one for us. How many games does this series last? Do you think now that the Warriors just sweep out and it goes five, or do we have a real series on our hands? I think it. I, I think it goes five. I think the Warriors are going to respond from this. Um, and like I said, I think in a weird way, going to LA is good for them. Right. right. Um, I think they're going to win both series or both games in LA, and then when it comes back for Game Five in the Warriors in Oakland, the Warriors are going to want to take care of business because the thing is. The Warriors understand that they're going to win this series. It's just a matter of preserving themselves for a, a march deep into June again. Right. And so you want to you want to preserve as much energy as possible. So, you know, even if they win the series but it goes six games, that's kind of a loss for the Warriors. Yep. Because they're going to feel that come late May, you know, early June. So they 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 need to win this five to feel good about their chances long-term. And that's one of the frustrating things about last night is that that loss probably cost them at least three days of rest. You know, if they sweep and they get to wait for the uh, the rest of the playoffs to catch up, they're spending that time recovering. But it is what it is, right? Spoke well, milk. you know, there also is such a thing as having too much rest in the playoffs. The Warriors have dealt with that in the past where, you know, having – a week off between games isn't always a good thing. Yeah. No, and they said, did you hear him? Were they talking about that in the locker room last night? Is that where you heard that from? <laughs> I didn't hear that, no. <laughs> no, that's unfortunate. Uh, I'm going to move us to another segment, man. One I love and one I think you're perfectly suited for. The segment is called Pick Your Squad. And the idea is that I'm going to present you either with an opportunity or a problem. And then you'll get to pick an NBA player to help you achieve the opportunity or get you through the problem. So here is your problem, Connor. Bad news. You went out and got hammered at a bar, man. I mean, just hammered. Incoherent, can't walk. It is all bad for you. And you got to go back home, and your significant other is waiting for you there. And she is going to be so disappointed. I mean, just kind of disgusted with you. And you're not going to be able to explain yourself, because, like I said, you're hammered. Good news? You get to pick any NBA player you want to come home with you and explain the circumstance to your significant other to kind of smooth over the, uh, you know, the, the problem, all right? Now, while wow. you think about who you might want to pick, I'll give you some time. I'll go first. So what I'm thinking is, like, you want somebody who's both smooth but also kind of has their own shady experiences, right? Like, I'd love to have Steph. We figured he would be amazing talking to my wife. But he's never really gotten hammered, never, like, experienced anything like that. So I could see in the explanation him screwing it up. 
you know, like making me seem like more of a degenerate. He just wouldn't have the ability to kind of put himself in my shoes and then explain it out. So I think what you want is somebody who looks, you know, like a choir boy on the outside, but has some shadiness on the inside. You know who I'm taking? Jonas Jerebko. I feel like that dude, like, has definitely wow. had a couple of shady moments in his life. We've never found out about him, so he could come home and slowly explain to Erica that everything's good and get me through it. So that's my boy, Soft Joe Jonas Jerebko. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? I Here like that. I like that. I'm going to keep it in House of the Warriors, too, and I'm going to go with... Sean Livingston. Oh, I like that too. Um, oh, that's a I feel like Sean Livingston is just a great diplomat. Yeah. I feel like he's very articulate. <laughs> He'd be able, I feel like he's the type of guy that could go out to a bar with you and get drunk as well. Definitely. But keep his, keep his stuff together enough where when he gets back to your house and he's talking to your significant other, she has no idea that he's also inebriated. I love that. Yep. You know? Yep. So I think that, uh, he's that type of guy. And he has, like, a seeming authority. You know, I don't even know why, but it just seems like a guy who knows a lot. You know what I mean? Like, maybe even more so than Jarebko. So if we started explaining something, I can see other people listening. I like that call, man. I kind of like your call better than mine, which makes me angry. So let's not talk about it too much. Okay. <laughs> Connor, you are the man. I am not alone in thinking that. Um, you've got some great pieces out there. So... For everybody listening, assuming they need more Latino in their life, where the hell should they go? Uh, sfchronicle.com backslash warriors is where you can find all of our great Warriors content, not just mine. As I'm sure you've noticed, we've really been bringing out our coverage and numbers during these playoffs. We have a ton of bodies at every game. Yep. Rusty Simmons, Ann Killian, <laughs> Scott Osler, Ron Krojcik, tons of great content from all of us. So, uh, Please check us out there. And then uh, on, at tw- on Twitter at con underscore cron. And then I also have my own podcast. I actually recorded an episode earlier today with Rusty Simmons. And you can find that on iTunes. It's called Warriors Off Court. So definitely give that a listen. Yeah, I, I shouldn't say this, but I will. We have all types of media outlets on this show, all types of personalities. For me, it is the Chronicle. That is my paper of record. That's where I get most of my Warriors news. I... Uh, I certainly encourage you guys to do the same for us. You know what the hell is up. You want to reach out to us, warriorshuddle.gmail.com or at warriorshuddle is our Twitter account. You got some nasty takes, some good takes, whatever. Uh, That's the place to reach us if you want to support us, which honestly we can't thank you enough for. Get up on Patreon, look up Warriors Huddle, um, and you can donate as little as like a dollar a month and get all types of uh, extra content. With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.